it's probably the easiest time I've ever had moving from one city to another was, was Dundee to Glasgow because you just don't have to adapt your attitude much at all to you know the exact same way to get on with people there as it was in, in Dundee. But you say that to anyone who's lived in Glasgow all their life or in Dundee all their life and, and <laughs> probably a more threat of violence than I've ever actually been up there. Opposing the, the government and the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any you dissent. What's well, we know who the hard left are, who associate with the hard left. You just said so that we were right, right to right wing. The hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation. Hard left wing position. Hard so left, the hard 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 left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, 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 Versus Glasgow conversation, so I thought I'd just let you guys cook. The pampered Southern English, never been anywhere. I don't know the difference between um, <laughs> Aberswith and uh, Giggly Gaggly. <laughs> <laughs> Your anti-Welsh friend Data is getting more and more half-arsed by the week, I've got to say. <laughs> Uh, so I was really g- careful about my... Mu- I can't be bothered to do my review of uh, Killers of the Flower Moon this minute. Well, I want to get rolling with some uh, banter first. But, like, I fucking... Yeah, I, I was being really careful about how I was eating my popcorn uh, of the Killers of the Flower Moon because it's a very meditative film in parts. And, like, I got the biggest fucking load of popcorn. Like, the biggest fucking things. <laughs> I've never seen anything as large as this, this nonsense. Like... Yeah, uh, and then I was just, like, so trepidatious about actually eating any of it for the runtime because, like, every time, you know, it'd be a brief moment where, like, someone's getting shot and I'm like... <laughs> and then, like, then, then it all quietened down again and I'm like... <laughs> quietly trying <laughs> Oh, shit, well, so 26 minutes into my recording, I'm going to introduce the episode. So, yeah, welcome to Real Politic, guys. We're chopping it up today. Me... Grind, uh, Yaya can't be here because he's uh, busy tearing down um, posters of Israeli hostages. Um, <laughs> as a joke, police in Montana, if you're listening, please don't arrest Yaya. He's done nothing wrong. Um, uh, then, uh, yeah, we've we've got uh, Grind and to uh, sub for Yaya, we have got. Um, you know, someone, yeah, you know, you could say that the Welsh are sort of like uh, the, the Jews of Britain. Uh, yeah, you could say that. It's, it's <laughs> I don't know you why you'd say. say that, but there's nothing technically stopping you. <laughs> you could say that the Welsh are the Palestinians of Britain, um, <laughs> of course, which is 
Again, you could say that. You'd be <laughs> wrong and quite offensive. But you could say that the Welsh... you can say that. You could say all sorts of things about the Welsh. But uh, yeah, to sub the idea, we've, we've drafted in our uh, openly Welsh comrade, uh, Stefan, <laughs> at Faze Bemused, uh, known as Shrieking Tin Man. Well, hang on, what um, am I then? Am I a self-hating Welsh? What's, what's going on here? <laughs> oh, it's, it's, sorry, it's an inside joke. You wouldn't get it. It's like, uh, <laughs> like Stefan like, occasionally sends me like these uh, tweets by like elderly Welsh socialist men um, where they're just like slagging Starmer off or something and one of them has like openly Welsh in his bio. Have I got that right, Stefan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Well, that's uh, no, the incredible... The, 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 uh, I think... History will record him as the only good North Welshman. That's Bryn Baranga's <laughs> Twitter bio. Um, so he's from uh, it's a gentleman. I think he's from Anglesey, and he posts like the most fucking fried content. Does it deliberately on purpose? I think he's also like written a few things for Viz maybe in the past. But he's uh, his his bio just reads openly Welsh. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's pretty incredible. That's the guy. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 uh. Uh, we are happy to have you here, Stefan. It's uh, I. I was saying to you earlier, you may even be the last guest we had on the show. I don't know. We haven't had many on recently, but uh, you know, who gives a fuck? Let's have you on again. It's all good. Nice one. Well, uh, it's always a pleasure. Like oh, and you sure. you've got into the podcasting game yourself, haven't you? You've got a new enterprise, new criminal yeah, enterprise. Man. Well, yeah, me and uh, Nathan who. Used to be the course on Desolation Radio. We've started a podcast called Famous and Special, and uh, he's like enormously funnier than me. So I get like, like I get like it sort of it makes me anxious just recording with him. I'm just like every time I'm talking, I feel like I'm blocking his flow when it's around. <laughs> but like he's uh, extremely funny, and one of the sort of main things that we've decided on, or more generally that yeah that we decided on for the project is that no lessons will ever be learned from the podcast. We're deliberately going as stupid, the crayon in brain mode as we can You're for the entire it. duration of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, nobody's going to learn anything. Nobody's gonna... <laughs> so don't worry, you know, if you want to actively reduce the level of knowledge in your brain, then that's something you can do by going on our podcast. Yeah, I've um, listened to the first three episodes. I need to catch up on the latest one. I, th- I think it's good, but I am starting to suspect that the hosts might be Welsh. They're not openly <laughs> so. They're keep they're, they're they're keeping it close they're to their secret. chest. They're like they're like conversos or whatever, and like you know, in um, Inquisition era Portugal and uh, Spain, you know, they're just hiding. <laughs> no, but like um, basically there's like an ethnic tension in the podcast, which is that I speak Welsh and he doesn't. So like um, um you know, it's different worlds really, but we're trying to sort of foster community relations by doing this podcast <laughs> every couple of weeks. But yeah, it's it's uh it's pretty. I I've enjoyed it. Like he's really got into like um Japanese city pop. So like that's the sort of musical vibe. I think with the Elemental Magic Orchestra, I can't remember what role he plays in the band. But one of them, their granddad, uh, was the only Japanese survivor of the Titanic, and uh, basically like it's Harumi Hosono as the grandson, 
but his granddad like got shunned for the rest of his life because basically Japanese society decided that he should have died. <laughs> so <laughs> he like returned to Japan and he had to live his life in like permanent disgrace because he survived the Titanic. That's very funny because like people do have that kind of like survival guilt. Like if you survive a terrible thing, you're feeling you, you know you might feel really bad. Like why did I make it out and all these other people died? But then it, for this guy, it was like everyone around him was just like, yeah, you can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> why the fuck didn't you die you fucking off yourself right now prick it's like um so basically in terms of the japanese pop music they listen to pacific by Hiromi hosono is fucking amazing right and it's like this entire album exploring what the media what pacific meant to japan in the sort of generation after they'd fought all this you know, in- incredibly unsuccessful war to try and take it all. And uh, it's fucking great. And then, like, about half an hour in, it breaks into the most perfect Beach Boys fucking pastiche I've ever used in my life. It's startling, man. It's <laughs> fucking incredible. So that's my... I'm going to shut the fuck up about Japanese pop music now, but that's my one recommendation if you're going to listen to anything on the back of that. No, it's good. we got to provide some content for FFF. Although I don't, I don't know if he <laughs> likes Japanese pop so much as, like... Um... Japanese you know, pornography. Waifu culture and, uh, yeah, yeah. Ja- sick Japanese noise rock musicians who saw their own legs off on stage. Fuck it up, man. It's like, I always remember that, and it's like, I can't pronounce it because, frankly, I, like, I've never learned to pronounce anything German. But, you know, that big industrial band, they used to do that thing, like, in the late 80s, where you just, like, take a pneumatic drill in and just, like, destroy the floor of the venue. Is it, like, <laughs> Einstein, Bunden, News Buildings? Yeah, and... New Button is the second word, isn't it? New, it's new buildings. It's, like, destroying new buildings or something. Okay. But, like, but yeah, like, fucking... Like, German like... is just such an evil-sounding language. Like, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm sorry to all Germans. <laughs> But you know That's what, actually, man. right now, fuck Germany. Like, Germany yeah, can the, fucking the last month has just taught us it's okay to be mean to Germany again. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, they're fucking assholes. Like, the horseshoe theory is is fucking real in Germans <laughs> trying so hard not to be Nazis that they become Nazis again. Well, you had that, um, you know, like, with... Sorry, I'm, like, this is gonna... I'm, I'm trying to stop myself here, but I am gonna say it talk about it they've got like a political tendency called the anti-deutsch mm. who are like a sort of like they consider themselves to be like a, a hard left group in but basically all of their politics are based around like hating uh the entire existence of like you know obviously for good reason the uh, existence of germany but like basically they've translated this into like extreme support for Israel. Oh, so right. they like go to like yeah, protests and stuff. Yeah, because I heard that and I was yeah, like, yeah. oh cool, I'm anti-Deutsch too. But <laughs> then no, apparently I'm no, I'm not pro-Israel. <laughs> Listeners of the show will be shocked to learn. <laughs> but like it's astonishing. There's these sort of like like bewildering like outgrowths of like political culture without having like the like ostensible aesthetic trappings like the far left you know dressing up like black block like going to you know like like sort of demonstrations and stuff but like just like waving the israeli flag it's like those fucking nafo losers or however you say it like you know they yeah, they yeah. like just uh they, they want to be like a kind of like radical youth movement but they're just like uh you know, dickheads who just a saddest bunch of cunts alive. Yeah, you fucking swallow State Department memos like it's fucking cum. 
Yeah, man. Well, it's, it's despicable. <laughs> well, thanks for it. But, like, um, it's, it's despicable, but yeah, basically, like, you get this every generation, you get a group of people who become convinced that they are the most left-wing people alive when yeah. their politics exactly align with, like, the Tony Blair Institute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're like, actually, like, Nick Cohen, like, fucking Nick Cohen, like, his whole thing yeah. of, like, he had that column, the rap by the column in Private Eye, and he was always, like, you know, reporting on the foibles of the hard left from like a left wing position it's just like literally if you were left wing you wouldn't have this column <laughs> you wouldn't yeah, yeah. be interested in yeah. publishing he, it you'd do like two <laughs> columns a year that were laying into the Tories and then the other 49, 50 weeks would just be like I didn't leave the left the left left me you know, it's just, <laughs> just... The, the same two or three columns on repeat now then, if you if you can find it, you should just fucking edit in the audio of him when he's like steaming pissed at the top Paul Foot Paul Foot Awards, yes. yeah. and, he's, and he's and he's just like crying about how like his racist friends didn't get the journalism award. Martin Bright wasn't there. Yeah, Martin oh, yeah, Bright. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Martin Bright, who then defended him like for his. For getting called out in the world's press for having sexually assaulted loads of journalists. Yeah, Martin, as Martin many Bright. journalists as he could literally get his hands on. He's Ma- assaulted. Martin Shaw. Martin Bright was like the head editorial guy at like the. Is it, is it the Index for Censorship he's at now? Oh, right. Yeah, this guy that's actually scared loads of promising journalists out of the profession entirely um, is, is really good because he's my friend. He's under Fuck threat it. from the woke. I just like I, I can't like. <laughs> it's like obviously like I found it. You know, like I generally, like when people bitch about like being on Twitter. I uh, think that they should shut the fuck up. I think, like, if you're going to be on Twitter, you just have to accept that you're in the sloth with all the rest of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Don't step just... into the dojo if you can't hack it, motherfucker. <laughs> but, like, it's been, like, genuinely as close to intolerable as it's ever been for me. Yeah, I agree. Like, I can't hack it. Fucking, it's fucking yeah, yeah, killing yeah, yeah. me. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's just, like, fucking... But, like, it's the, same, it's the exact same playbook. And, basically, like, I look back at it now, and I think, like, in like the early noughties when the war on terror was starting i think it was i think it was basically only the interventions of the anti-war left that stopped it becoming a genocidal situation for muslims in the west i think the like you might cringe at like people who fucking you know were like wearing kefirs in like 2018 you know, or white people wearing that or whatever but like i think it was an incredibly important thing and it's fucking wild to see like all the same people who were just completely fine with like locking up any muslim who expressed the you know his islamic political opinion or his anti-war opinion and stuff like all the people who were fine with doing that are just like like fucking being preserved in amber the last 10 years and they just like come alive in the last few weeks, man, this mm. fucking sickening. I wish uh, there was a pit somewhere big enough. Um, I'm not going to finish that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know the scene in The Simpsons where like the Soviet Union reactivates and yeah, yeah. like it, it, it's like that, but with like people who signed the Houston Manifesto 15 <laughs> years prior. <laughs> suddenly, so like, fucking everyone bad, have man. got gradually more embarrassed by it and quiet about it over the years, and then suddenly this happens, and they're like, "Right, <laughs> here's my Nick Cohen reading list." Oh man, it's like it's so like ridiculous. But also, what's terrible is that like that whole group of people 
because they sort of coalesced around being opposed to Brexit, they've mm. like let loads of people into that fold who are even like, you know, on bad terms with that general fold. So it's like people like fucking, um, you know, people like Alistair Campbell and stuff getting back into like respectable <laughs> yeah, society. Yeah. And it's like back in the day, if you wanted to be like, you know, a fucking hard-nosed leftist, you had to be like, oh, you know, no, I can't stand the plague of the terrible, but, you know, what they're doing in Iraq and Afghanistan's great, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but, like, no, we just fucking, like, like, I've, like, literally no lessons learned. Like, this is, like, Britain's fucking motto as a country. is like, we refuse to learn any lessons. <laughs> we love having the foxes in the hen house. That's mm. a favourite thing. We fucking love it. It's, it's all the people that like to think they're left of that trying to sort of embrace it but still keep their reputation going is incredible. But what they seem to have coalesced around is like, yes, there really is a significant and meaningful, uh, you know, or in fact that there isn't uh, much of a meaningful distinction between a, a ceasefire and a humanitarian pause. So why are they left getting mad about us all asking for a humanitarian pause? And it's like, you hadn't heard that term three weeks ago. Yeah. It literally yeah, yeah. was made up. To oppose the ceasefire. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing as how uh, these cunts all suddenly became experts on like international trade agreements and shit overnight over Brexit. Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the humanitarian pause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always use that in my dealings in the course of international law. I mean, that's that's British comment culture in a nutshell, isn't it? It's having a mm. sort of, in in theory, a generalist intelligence, which some of them do, some of them don't, and taking that to mean right i've spent an hour looking this up on wikipedia i am now an expert on this new subject of the day Dante. Uh, <laughs> i love like, that they, they literally have a podcast that like explains their process of like <laughs> why they're wrong about everything and, and how, how they can run with it anyway yeah yeah <laughs> i find like um it's just like it's so despicable, but like I think, like I, you know, I didn't want, I didn't want to get into the old, the old ongoing situation in uh, Israel and the occupied territories uh, on this podcast, which is obviously like fucking forefront of my mind. But it's just like these people know fucking nothing about it. That's the thing. I mean, like they know absolutely less than fuck all about it, and all it means to them is that they understand that Israel is generally in the Western camp. And they by displaying their support for Israel, the same as like every year when you have Eurovision, there's some fucking bell end who's in like Young Labour or something, yeah. and he posts like a selfie with the Israeli flag, and it's like it's staggeringly offensive because it's like it's not even just offensive to you know like anyone with a fucking head screwed on, it's offensive to fucking Israelis. You know what I mean? It's like you are literally just using them as like a prop to prove that it's like I will literally do anything anything yeah. that NATO asks of me to do I mean, I'll do anything that the fucking US state don't ask well, it's me to like, do it's fucking the thing, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a sort of loyalty test thing but the, the, yeah, yeah it's the, like the, an the entry young... card in young centrist circles like yeah. if you prove the, that you support Israel then that shows that you're a trustworthy person in general by their the estimation young, the young briefcases are fascinating really because they're just doing the same as all the columnists and all the more senior politicians and so on are doing but they're like probably because they're they're mostly much younger and you know haven't been following politics too long and all this um all but the the most savvy of them are like really bad at sort of <laughs> pretending any nuance to what they're doing so you can properly see like the 
the the thinking and yeah. then the uh, the decision making process behind it. Oh man, we had I'll a great never, example ever, ever of forget, that. I'll never forget when um, when a few years back when when Israel hosted the. Um, the Eurovision Song Contest, yeah, yeah. And, and quite a few of them were like, uh, you know, make, making a show of like, uh, oh, it's great that Israel's hosting it and so on, you know, and because they would then they were clearly again doing it to wind up the left more than any actual affinity with with Israel beyond yeah. that. But um, I remember sitting and thinking that that couldn't Ben Butterworth because uh, he <laughs> this was when this was before he sort of. Um, tried to rebrand himself as like the GB News token lefty um, and was just like a typical right-wing young Labour hack. He'd never um, even think... heard of GB News before. <laughs> yeah. Well, it didn't exist then, so that was probably yeah. why. Yeah, he was just like, right I just on. went on GB uh, News for the first time. It's pretty nice. <laughs> Look, he's got to be telling but, uh, the truth one of those times. <laughs> yeah, I, I just remember thinking, I bet he's done the same. I bet he's done, you know, got loads of Israel flags to to hang in his student flat and uh, has posted about how they're having a, a Eurovision party, uh, you know, to, to own the left. And I looked at his Twitter feed and I was sort of right, except he hadn't done that. He'd flown to Israel <laughs> <laughs> to, to be there in person to turbo own the left. Fuck me, you... man. I, f- I found a funny article, good good headline, related to my mortal enemy, JWX the Spa. It said, Brexit shame, Corbyn Easter's turn on Tory scab, in quotes, Dennis Skinner <laughs> for backing EU exit. And then for the subheading, die-hard socialist Dennis Skinner has been called a Tory scab by young Remainer supporters of Jeremy Corbyn for backing Brexit in last week's key votes. Uh, the, the, the example from which they draw the headline of this piece, calling the Corbynista who called Dennis Skinner a Tory scab, uh, J.W. the Spa said... Dennis Skinner is a Tory scab. <laughs> For those who aren't as who who don't get as many of these this guy's tweets uh, put into their for you uh, thing because they keep quote tweeting them on circle um, as I do. Um, J W X the Spa, who I guess at that point was just J W the Spa. He's uh, they've turned <laughs> the water off in the spa. There's no. Uh, the taps aren't running anymore he's um just basically like some middle-aged man on twitter who's like a strong support are we sure he wasn't like one of captain tom's family and the spa's been demolished so that's (laughs) i need to catch up with the captain tom news there seem to have been some great twists in the story recently like isn't he alive like it turned out no i'm just joking (laughs) yeah he's in serbia the whole time yeah Oh man! Cap- the Captain Tom the alive doing fav- genocide in Serbia. <laughs> <laughs> What's that like? I love um, with Captain Tom that image of him, where the when British Airways flew him out to Barbados for like oh. for New Year's. <laughs> yeah. And then the, there's a photo of him with Russ Abbott <laughs> and Cliff Richard, <laughs> and like they just happen to be in like the you know same. You know, presumably extremely exclusive resort that fucking British Airways had paid for Tom. For well, Tom they, they can't go to the island that they used to anymore, so. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> it, to be a bit more quiet about going to the island. But it's like so funny because like immediately after the picture, like he caught uh, COVID and died. So there's like there's like a non-zero chance that like Cliff Richard or Russ Abbott killed Captain Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll never get over the British Airways put out. Uh... You know, R.I.P. Captain Tom. Thanks for inspiring us all, or whatever. Stock tweet and turned replies off because they <laughs> knew they'd fucking killed him for a bit of spawncon. <laughs> and it was like 500 quote tweets, like 450 of them, <laughs> blood on your hand. <laughs> it's just like it's so funny, but like it, like that whole thing was like so bewildering because I remember it was around That's, the same time yeah. as like the VJ Day stuff. Um, which again got turned into like a national holiday where it never had been before. And it was just, mm-hmm. it was amazing to see because it was just a sort of collective outworking of like Britain's sort of lockdown induced madness. And like we went to like a sort of place of psychological safety, mm-hmm. and it was just like, oh, we're just gonna do World War Two again. <laughs> that was like the most <laughs> the most like psychologically comforting thing we could think to do. And I remember like um I'd go like again I live I live in like uh. Obviously, Southwest Wales, and uh, the area where I live is like it's. I think literally all of the community councillors are Welsh nationalists. There's not a single non-Welsh nationalist community councillor. But even then, they had like a street party and stuff. And someone had dressed up like a teddy bear in like a proper human suit and put like a cigar in it to like make it look like Winston Churchill. It's <laughs> just like it's like already like on edge enough. You know what I mean? It's already like this. Uh, this fucking yeah. bizarre situation. It's just like I'm seeing like this uncanny creation <laughs> being, used, <laughs> being used to like celebrate, you know, the fucking uh, the atomic bomb in sort of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. <laughs> it's like, I thought you were going to say it was like a person dressed up as a bear and then dressed up on top of that no, I'd bear be into costume. That. Like, I like, I like the <laughs> what was that? I'd be into that. I'd be into that. Yeah, like, no, I, like I was gonna furries, say. Yeah. I thought I, I was like, oh, so as soon as you got to the furry bit, it piqued your interest. <laughs> 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 oh fuck, man! I love the furries. Man. Oh man, like, I, I find like just seeing a screenshot of a furry occasionally on the timeline so funny. It's just like they're not, they're not hurting anyone, as far as I'm concerned. I, I love that the yeah the, the the furry reputation has just like completely U turned over the years I've been online. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> when I first was, it was like the early days of something awful, and there was just this rolling thing around the internet of like people discover what furries are, people react with extreme disgust to to, to furries being into that, and then like and then people would go to what like fucking something awful, right? Again, like a lot of stuff like from the people running the site is dated really badly um apart from Lotax killing himself which was funny um <laughs> but, <laughs> but like yeah but but like Lotax like put them into he, he'd like I think I'm conflating a couple of things here, but he like. I just want to say, uh, R.I.P. Lotax, like, Chloe. I'm sorry that that happened. <laughs> he gave like the furries like. It was something to do with the Holocaust. He like <laughs> identified furry users with like a star where their avatar would be or something. I almost conflated it with a separate time where he gave loads of bad posters forum cancer. And they had to pay him money to not have forum cancer so people could see their posts. <laughs> <laughs> That's like what we've got on Twitter where it like you can't search us and shit. 
Yeah, <laughs> What's it's, that like? You've exactly like literally, you've literally like you've willed it into existence, and that you've like del- you know gone about making it in such a way that you have become a targeted individual. Insert Van Morrison clip. I'm a targeted individual. Got to get to the bottom of who's pulling the strings. Gotta get like, to the bottom of who's pulling the strings. Everyone think over like, the last couple of decades though seems to have had a moment where like, yeah, actually the furries are sound. You know, yeah, yeah like different they're stuff than I am. Just uh, just use the turn off retweets uh, option when when you're mutuals with them on Twitter and everything. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, like with um, I love it with like the fact that it's such an enormous community now that you've got like sort of like really actively self-identified like left wing. And yeah. like fascist, <laughs> yeah. There's like a furry fun. far right within the furry community. The fur right. I think like I sort of Come started on, off with like a more like a sort of curiosity, <laughs> like morbid, not morbid curiosity, but sort of you know general sort of curiosity about them. And then gradually I realised that almost to a man, they're all like much more personally and professionally successful than me. <laughs> so, like, I like I sort of realised it's like uh, they'd be like. Like there's one block I follow, and I'd, he's like, um, sorry, fucking, hell, I gotta, I gotta rhyme back on that. But like you follow them, and then they just be like, they just be like, oh yeah, I just uh, gave this presentation at a conference, you know, seems like my work's making some uh, major advancements in theoretical physics, and then like the next picture's like them just dressed up like a wolf. <laughs> it's fucking great. What a great bunch of lads. Like. I just find it hilarious whenever like you post a picture of like one of them playing guitar. There's just something funny about furries playing instruments to me. Well, I got really into like, oh, a furry band again, that I got like, really into it. last year called I've Made Too Much Pasta. And I think I literally listened to them more than anything else that I listened oh, to last year. Oh, you tweeted about these, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. There's, um, this was like two decades ago and there was there was some sort of like furry band meetup or whatever and they all had like their full fursuits on. But they had like it was like a shower cap or something on, and <laughs> I, I remember at the time people were just sharing that round, going like, "Not sure, they're like Slipknot's new image and stuff." Fuck <laughs> <laughs> like, but it's just like yeah, there's loads of them, like actually quite good musicians yeah. and stuff. But like it, the big problem is like culturally they're really into like really hard banging EDM music. You know, like, <laughs> it's like the, the most predominant form of music they listen to. Yeah. You ever see like any footage of their events and stuff? They have like a hard, you know, like a fucking jump style soundtrack. Yes, I was gonna like, say. I'm like, not gonna I, fucking I, listen to that. Like. <laughs> like, I think every every again, there was there was a phase where another forum I was on was like obsessed with jump style as a sort of look at it, <laughs> check look at not in a, not in a positive way, but a sort of look at this shit way. And every <laughs> video they'd they'd post of like people being into it, there'd always be like furries in it in the back. <laughs> just, so it'd be like you know it's sort of uh, a line of people sitting around or sort of standing around watching the, the people proper going for it and you know, there'd be like sort of 15 people in a row like dressed as you'd expect uh, you know uh, one of these clubs or whatever and then there'd just be like, a guy in a fursuit like yeah <laughs> Fucking classroom. Yeah. But yeah, like it's so basically like it's a uh, it's sort of gradual development of internet culture. I think as we've got mm. to know each other more richly yeah. through the development of social media, it's like it used to just be something you like go up at as like a well, forum thumbnail or whatever. The internet used to be like about 
you know, thousands of little siloed forums and chat rooms and stuff, didn't it? Before mm. before social media, that had its advantages, but probably the disadvantage is you wouldn't actually like have a furry you could ask questions to and chat to about it. <laughs> yeah, a furry, if, a furry if, you if could you develop respect for. about it on the football forum you were on or something. <laughs> <laughs> Millwall furries, like. Oh. <laughs> What's that, like, fucking Rod Liddle again, isn't it? You're yeah, talking about, like, this sort of... There's, like, a subset of furries that are really into, like, football mascots. <laughs> there's got to be, isn't it? There's got to be, like... Like, with Gunnasaur, you don't see many, like... Swan or something. Fucking Cyril Spawn, man. I like so Cyril. I so I'm, I can't remember. I apologize. Like I, I get paranoid about repeating myself. But I remember. I think I might have told you before. I went to see the Swans once, and I saw Cyril the Swan, and they had like a halftime thing where they just had kids coming out to take penalties. Yeah. And then, oh no, they had to defend a penalty against him, and he fucking like these little kids, like eight, nine years old, and Cyril just like an absolute fucking heel, just like booted like like fucking ten clear penalties past everyone at the kids. <laughs> <laughs> like that's oh, fucking spectacular. They can do that in in the fucking swan suit play. Mascots with a, a slight air of of like menace about them are the best. I think I went to um, just the other week. In fact, I went to see. Um, a couple of friends who support Dundee United, they were playing Bike Thistles just here in Glasgow, mm. so we went to see that in the away end. And they've got that mascot Kingsley, who's like a, a sinister sort of evil son sort of character. Um, like world famous for being a deeply sinister mascot that scares children <laughs> around the world. Uh, like this I've got to see. Like, I'm gonna get it's, just such, it's just like um, Kingsley, Bartik Thistle. Kingsley, um, Bartik Thistle. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Tell me about a thistle. Fuck me! That is not what I expected to see whatsoever. <laughs> That's like some jab. That is like something something you'd see. It's yeah. like oh, this you know the Japanese electricity the, board. Yeah, that, that, that mascot is it Mondo mascots or, or something. The the account yeah. has just got a, a constant stream of these. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. This is this is something to uh, <laughs> to <laughs> encourage people to. to like flush away the, not to flush away their condoms or something you know <laughs> it's fucking beautiful man like... um god damn i can't like um begin to because, because basically it gives a lie to the fact that like, it's like you know like the the sort of people who are trying to make a set of accommodations with Starmerism now, the people who are saying like, oh, you know, the domestic policy is really good, you know, the Green Investment Bank or whatever and stuff like that. And it's like, it is fucking genuinely enormously meaningless, you know, mm. in like a global scale. If you're going to, if you do think, you know, like when people talk about, you know, sure start and stuff, mm. uh, all that kind of thing, they give it all that about the achievements of the last Labour government. They should like, sure start to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Start. Anyway, I was about to finish another sentence in an unwise way, then, so I'm going to carry on. But basically, like, it is literally fun. It's it's simultaneously like meaningless and extremely extremely racist to Trump at the domestic achievements mm-hmm. of those governments when they led to like over a million dead. Yeah. Do you not fucking think that matters? Like, yeah. Do you it not takes think more than a couple do, of like, like oh, even on a fa- wage? What about this? To yeah, yeah. Doesn't fucking balance matter. Balance that out on the scale. You can't balance <laughs> yeah, out on the scales. You know, they could have been the most radical domestic government ever and dramatically improved everyone's lives. Uh, and eradicated poverty, and it would still be fucking terrible 
that yeah, they, yeah. they went into a completely unnecessary war that killed over a million people unnecessarily. <laughs> yeah, fucking but, right. Yeah, and it's like destroyed like a large country in the Middle East, like just completely fucking wrecked its infrastructure for generations. This, just like this, unthinkable. The same is fucking true of like war criminal Starmer. Like already, even yeah. just as an opposition leader. As far as I'm concerned, this cunt has blood on his hands and fucking... Uh, yeah, I think that he'd, he'd have a terrible domestic agenda. I think the, the problems in the country would just continue to get worse and worse. He won't address them. In some cases, I think he probably will make some of them worse. On the other hand... Well, I can, I can use this to lead to my other point, actually. One way in which I think that Starmer will actively... I mean, shit, it might be stuff that a conservative government would have done anyway, but I think he will continue to carry on the conservative path of restricting protest and the right to... Mm, uh, absolutely. ...right to political free expression. And this idea that you were saying, Stefan, that like the big problem with fucking Corbynism was the foreign policy because it doesn't have any popular support. It's like, fuck that, man. Like, a million fucking people are going to march on Saturday. Yeah, I'm gonna be fucking That's among the thing, them, yeah. and I hope everyone it's... listening, you know, will will, you know, not just in London, but like wherever they're doing protests on Saturday, like gal, there, stick it to the government and stick it to fucking Starmer, who's talking about, oh yeah, our cenotaph needs to be safe, we the, the, the armistice day needs to be respected. It's like, you know, usual bootlicking dog shit. Yvette Cooper was sharing fake news about a plan to fucking march past the cenotaph the other day. Fuck these cunts, man. Yeah, man. It's incredibly foundational to, like, having anything like a meaningful left politics. You know, it's 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 literally, like, the point of distinction between communism and, like, fucking the the, uh, parties of the First International, isn't it? Like, you know, do you support your own side in World War One? (laughs) <laughs> it's like the people who said yes went one way, the people who said no way went one way. But it's like, these people are completely indifferent to lives being just fade into the fucking mincer. They are utterly indifferent to it. It doesn't bother them at all. Which is a fucking horrific thought. If you just think like, oh yeah, no, it's fine because it's over there. And it's like, do you really think that like someone like fucking Starmer is going to give a shit if his policies start to like, you know, like the fucking... If they don't start arresting the decline in life expectancy, if you keep having massive hunger in this country with no fucking attempt to address it, do you think if he's indifferent to all those fucking lives being lost overseas, he gives a fuck about you? Yeah. It's it's like if you think he's he's really going to have our best interests at heart, if he just looks at the fucking, like, unbelievable, like, high-tech carnage, and he's just like, actually, I support that. Fuck off. Yeah, like, he might be racist, but it's like without the civic pride. He doesn't care about his own <laughs> fucking people either. You know, like, um, like. Sorry, man. I don't mean to fuck. I'd like. I'd, I think like it's hard. It's always the same. It's always hard to think about anything else in these kind of situations. So I'm glad we least we fucking talked about uh, Kanye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we can always go back to some like uh, lighter material. I could tell you about the hilarious fun film that I saw later, but. <laughs> just like staying on this for a minute. Which, oh, so basically, Starmer doesn't give a fuck about carnage internationally. He wouldn't give a fuck about you if you died. That's uh, yeah. To, not you specifically, Jack. I mean, the royal you, you know. Yeah, no, Starmer would not give a fuck about it. No, I don't think he would care about me if I died. Either, so <laughs> I, had a, I had a little funny interaction the other day with some guy. It, it was like on Blue Sky, I posted, like, I too am calling for the resignation of Keir Starmer, like, sharing that an, an article about 
councillors calling for Starmer to resign. And this guy, like, retired saying, oh, you're enabling the Tories is terrible. If there's one more day of Tory government is a disaster. And I, like, pressed this guy and I, I asked him um, how he voted in 2019. <laughs> after The fucking... The absolute killer question. Yeah, this is. I, I found that you literally. This is all you need to do because I did it with a guy <laughs> um, the next day, and he just refused to answer. I I won the debate because he just fucked off and never replied to me again. He didn't even block me. He was just <laughs> speechless. But this guy Andrew, he kept misspelling Corbyn. He was like, uh, uh, Corbyn was on. Un- First of all, he said like the Michael Foot's unpalatable leadership in the eighties had led to Thatcher's reign. And I pointed out just, like, <laughs> the ba- basic chronology to him, which was that James so Callaghan... I, I didn't see all of this, because Blue Sky's fucked, and it, like, deletes half the conversation if one guy blocks the yeah, other. Yeah, fucking so ridiculous. It, yeah. But I, I, don't worry, I've got the screenshot of the killer tweet that he did, and I've got <laughs> it, most of the rest of it in my head. So this guy was like, yeah, Michael Foot led to Thatcher's reign. I was like, Michael Foot, Labour leader from 1980 onwards... Labour lost the election <laughs> to Margaret Thatcher prior to that in 1979. So not sure that the facts there exactly work up. But hey, Labour got rid of their unpalatable leader, Michael Foote, after the 1983 election. And hell, hell, shit, they won the next election, didn't they? No way, they didn't either. So I thought that was very unfair to Michael Foote. I pointed that out and he was like, and I also put his Corbyn with an I in quotation marks. And he was like, don't try to be clever. This is, I can't remember what else was said, but I'd asked him at this point, did you vote Labour in 2019, by the way? And he said, I could not vote for Corbyn's Labour Party, so I didn't, but not did I vote Tory either. Not did I vote Tory? And I'd never said that he voted Tory, I just asked if he supported Corbyn in 2019. And like, you know, I may joke occasionally, but I don't plan to vote Tory next time. To quote a now-abandoned Keir Starmer slogan, it's just one rule for them and another for us, isn't it? I find, like, um, that thing with, like, the worst the worst people, like, uh, I was about to say the worst people alive. Uh, that's maybe a bit no, much. No, but no, basically, <laughs> This has been certified concrete facts. <laughs> yeah, but it's like these, you know, they like we're gonna have to deal with this in the run up to the next election. We you know all the people who are like every single fucking election convince themselves that they've hit on this novel idea of a progressive alliance, <laughs> and then they're gonna get PR, and it's just like. You stupid fuckers! Like, yes. like particularly now, because it's like if you did that, if you got every single Lib Dem, every single Scottish Nationalist, every Green, etc., to vote for the Labour Party, Keir Starmer would rather chop his own fucking dick off than introduce PR. <laughs> it's never going to happen. He's not going to do it, regardless of how fucking you know small his majority or his penis are. Like, <laughs> he's not going to fucking do it. I told the fucking guy so, on like, Twitter to um to you know I just said that McDonald should stand up stand up to Starmer genuinely instead of just pussyfooting around him and pussyfooting around him and saying oh I appeal to Keir Starmer to do the right thing whatever and this guy was like what does stand up mean M- McDonald should stay in the party and organise uh, while arguing for PR and I'm like mate we can't fucking reform like 
democratic institutions within the Labour Party. Like <laughs> that all the, how the fuck how the fuck can we exert like <laughs> influence on Keir Starmer in that regard? Like in government if we can't in opposition. Well like I always say like the thing is the Blair government came in and they had like a sort of uh a lot of them had like an unblemished record of working for people like the Precursors of Liberty, you know, albeit with like the, the paedophile information exchange thing being a bit sort of tarnishing. <laughs> but like, um, you know, loads of them had worked in like NGOs, loads of them had worked in like Charter 88 and stuff. Um, and they came in and they had a genuine sort of like a reforming agenda as they said they were going to do. Now, they didn't do large chunks of that. And in loads of cases, they made shit actively fucking worse. So they did things like, you know, make things that weren't crimes a crime for a specific person with abs, uh, what's it called, asbos in it. They did things like introducing tournament without trial and stuff, which is like, um, you know, unfathomable fucking like breaches of what we consider to be the normal sort of legal run of things. Mm. The difference with like the Stalin project is they're coming into power explicitly saying, oh, all the good stuff, we're done with it. Mm -hmm. Fuck that. We're not going to do any like the sort of positive reforms. We're not going to extend, you know, devolution. We're not going to, you know, have like fucking a power sharing agreement in Northern Ireland. We're not going to do any of that. It's like, no, we're only going to do the bad shit. We're only going to make shit worse. We're going to make shit more fucking crazy. (laughs) So, like, if you've got, like, any hopes that they're going to improve the fucking... I say, genuinely, it's, like, probably the most sort of uh, generalised hopeless situation that I've seen in my lifetime in part is the only hope of course is with the people who are fucking who are willing to oppose both of the only political parties or the both the major political parties and fucking call for a ceasefire or go out and get out the street and do this type of thing. And that's the only fucking hope. But the other thing is that like all both political parties now have expressly said that it's like popular pressure, all those people are fucking scam. All those people are fucking anti Semites, so they, they should fuck off. Like so it's just such a fucking generalised hopeless situation. And I think, like, the people who try to think that somehow all you need to get rid of is the Tories, all you need to do is, you know, vote Starmer this time and you'll sort it out, are so fucking deluded. Yeah. And what's annoying is that they're not just deluded, they're also fucking smug and convinced that the only people who thought this thought ever yeah. before in, in No, just like you said, like, a minute ago, they are the worst fucking cunts in the world. I don't care. They're so worse bad. than, like, people in the IDF, these fucking, like, bootlickers. <laughs> and they're morally the same. They would be in the IDF if they were, you know, uh, you know, weren't even bigger fucking cowards than those, like, lazy fucking video game playing shiftless assholes. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> But yeah, is that do we do we conclude the Israel Palestine section? I don't know. <laughs> uh, you all want to hear about some more genocide? Well, it depends what it depends against the politic genocide out. <laughs> Give the fans what they want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nah, man, I went to the cinema last night. I took myself out nice there. One. Yeah, it was to a screening of uh, 47 minutes of unreleased footage of Hamas atrocities. <laughs> it was put on by the uh, by the IDF for select pro-Israel influencers like myself and uh, some of my comedy writing friends. Um, What's just you and Leek? Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was uh, it was dope, man. Like they've got um, very sophisticated uh, production techniques. I mean. 
The faces were a bit blurry and stuff, but I assume it's just the fog of war. Um, and the vo- <laughs> the voices sounded, uh, so, you know, there was a strange... They were speaking English, but the stuff they were saying, like, uh, oh, my jihad, my brother, this is, we do this purely out of a deep-seated hatred of the Jewish people, Allah, it sounded very convincing to me. My friend Lee right. actually wrote a, a really funny sketch inspired by the atrocities. Um, you know, I'm still editing out all the homophobic slurs, but it should be uh, out on Israel's most popular satire show in the next next week you know well so like just to provide some context here because <laughs> i know i think i know what you're referring no to no context we want to we want to see how many subscribers we lose from this convinced <laughs> that jack has gone off the deep end an hour and a half into an episode inexplicably you know i love to play the heel <laughs> so lee kern and it held like a screen in an la of some footage of the IDS. Was it in LA? I thought you literally went to Israel for it. Because <laughs> he is, apparently he's in Israel. He's like saying, wow, these bombs are scary, but at least I'm not in London. <laughs> that, it's fucking bewildering. You see that, like, people saying, oh, actually, I feel safer in Israel. It's like, normally, right, you could make a case. But I think, like, you know, when it's been like, actively bombed, when <laughs> it's like a sort of once-in-a-generation attack on it. I think claiming that, you know, just walking down the road in London is scarier to you. <laughs> you, you, assume, you assume he's talking about, uh, you know, a reported rise in, in anti-Semitic incidents, but he actually just really hates Sadiq Khan and is the one of these just, like, mad-on-like <laughs> racists now. Like, you lose! Yeah, he's a big... Can't go down the shop without getting stabbed, thanks to Sadiq Khan! <laughs> he's a and car guy. Lers. He loves his cars. So anyway, you went to see uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was know. talking about, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm just psyching myself up to abruptly shift gears to, like, semi-do the contents of the film justice. Um, big sip of water. But you know what? No matter how shit my review is, it can't possibly be worse than fucking Mark Kermode's one. Which was literally... I saw a tweet by Archie Woodrow about it. I thought he was just shooting his mouth off. No, no, (laughs) no exaggeration. Mark Kermode um, literally talked for like three minutes about how the film was long, talked for two minutes about the contents of the film, talked for another three minutes about how it was long. There was a, you know, he was just at one point like, and of course, the cinematography is nice. Like, it was literally, I have never seen any, like, I have never heard as fucking trivial a review from him. I don't, I don't think he really gets Scorsese, man. I think he thinks he's just, he just associates him with like, oh, it's just macho bullshit. I thought that was like ridiculous because it was a film that I found very moving, uh, very thought provoking and uh, deeply substantive as a work of cinema. Um, so... Have you guys heard, do you guys know at all about the history uh, behind the film, the story? Uh, not of the making of the film itself, but the historical events upon which it's based. Only very roughly. Yeah, no, I know barely nothing about it, i got to be honest. Like, well, I'd... I w- I w- I'm going to try and carve out some time to watch it soon, because I, fa- I fucking love Israel. I, I really did you like say I fucking love Israel? I knew it. <laughs> Yeah, I said. I know. I said. I said that I believe Israel. <laughs> <laughs> I defend its right to defend itself. <laughs> yeah. No, no. 
uh, carry on. <laughs> but like, I love his later work, and I love the sort of like the deep tragedy of it. I really like the Irishman, mm. although it did take me. I always fucking say this because it took me a week to watch. Yeah, I had to watch it in like half hour segments because it's fucking four hours long, man. <laughs> so it's just man. like it took me like a full week to get through it. But it did. It took. Uh, really fucking um, impressed me. It's just like sort of movie event and stuff. But I know that it's roughly about sort of Native American uh, genocide, so that's why it's linked into what the shit that we were talking about. Yeah, before. absolutely, absolutely. There was one very evocative moment for me uh, that was redolent of the current situation in Gaza, but I'll maybe get to that in a minute once I've explained the premise uh, a little bit more. So basically, the Osage Nation, they were a Native American tribe. They were not one of the so-called, I think, five civilized tribes, but they were nonetheless like fairly westernized. They'd been forced to sort of change their first names to like white Christian names and go to church and shit and assimilate to a, a great extent. But basically they'd been moved around the US in several forced relocations, which had, as with all the forced relocations of Native American people, had severely diminished their population. Eventually, they decided, well, if we settle on this, <laughs> basically just the shittiest, most barren, fucked up, infertile land, somewhere in Oklahoma, which was not yet a state, I don't think, at that point, the white man will leave us alone. So they went there, and, I don't know, it was pretty shit at first, I guess, but the white man you know, he sort of left them alone. And then they found some oil and uh, the white man did not leave them alone. And uh, <laughs> various uh, white settlers started rocking up to town. Does this, uh, does this ring any bells? They started <laughs> setting up shop all over the Native American reservation, including wealthy landowners like William Hale, who is portrayed by Robert De Niro in the movie. Now, the Osage people became per capita the wealthiest people in the entire world due to their oil wealth. However, they were declared by the US government to be, to a man, every one of them, unless, I think maybe if they were like a fraction Osage blood, but primarily white, they were able to control their own finances. However, this was not the case for the most part. Most people who were fully or half Osage had to have effectively um, a conservatorship. They'd have a court-appointed white guardian, you know, sort of like the Britney Spears situation, basically. Very much like that, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they, they basically had to have some prick who was ripping them off. These people were all stealing their money, the white people who were in charge of these people's money. And in addition to that, they were being stingy as fuck with actually giving the money to the Native Americans, they'd be like, did you need to spend quite so much money on meat this month, miss? Like, you know, just this kind of bullshit. Like Scorsese portrays that very well in the film. Because I've been, like, looking up into... I, I can't say I've been, like, going too deep into the history, but I listened to, like, two different historical podcasts about the events, and every fucking substantive thing in the Scorsese film checked out with the history that I have thus looked into. So... In terms of these, like, guardianships, often if these Native Americans who all had the rights to land upon which was oil, basically, every sort of individual person had these rights, if they married a white person, then that person could be their conservator, and it sort of, you know, uh, <laughs> killed two birds with one stone. Um, and theoretically, 
would mean that because, you know, presumably you would be somewhat like allied with your spouse in terms of thinking of the greater good of your household, this would presumably give them more control over their finances. However, uh, the white man had other plans. And this prick called William Hale, this kind of like Colonel Sanders motherfucker played by Robert De Niro in Killers of the Flower Moon, basically set up like a fucking industrial scale criminal operation of murder and extortion, where he would bump off Native Americans, he would, through marriages and then murders, he would then, you know, acquire their land rights and thus the oil profits that they were receiving. And he would do other shit like collecting life insurance upon them, making sure they, <laughs> being nice to them to make sure they lived long enough so that he could collect the life insurance claim. And then, you know, <laughs> so this guy is a real evil fuck. But, you know, there's various murders in the course of this uh, sorry episode in US history that haven't even been attributed to him or his organization this shit ran so deep that there are murders which you know you see in kills the flower moon they seem pretty substantive to this whole story that there's not even any evidence linking this character william hale to so yeah fuck knows uh <laughs> fuck knows how deep this went a couple of hundred people in all it i think died in the end so the form this took was i'm sorry but for going off here and explaining this in, in depth but various like otherwise seemingly healthy young native american women often ones married to white men just started dying they started contracting these mysterious illnesses wasting diseases and so forth and this was in addition to just people getting shot and uh shit like that you know more blatant murders which as Scorsese depicts them in the film, you remember he's very fucking good at showing a murder. It's only ever like a few seconds long. You just see like bang, fucking, just the same, the same brutality. He's, he has always excelled at, but meted out and very, you know, never kind of dwelled on. It's always just about kind of like the suddenness, the shock of it. But yeah, so you, you have, you end up with families like, and this, this comes to where it started really resonating to me in light of the, issue of the ongoing genocide in gaza you have families like i can't remember what the family name was uh like the woman's maiden name but the character who lily gladstone plays in the film molly burkhart so firstly her seemingly young and healthy sister died of a mysterious wasting disease that's the first sibling then her next sister was uh, taken out to the woods and shot and brutally murdered. Then, shortly after that, her mother mysteriously contracted a sudden illness and died. And then her other sister's house was blown up. So, pretty much an entire bloodline wiped out. There's a scene where, after the explosion, Lily Gladstone's character Molly is at, at, at the bottom of the stairs where they've they've taken the kids down to the basement because of the explosion to hide them and she's asking DiCaprio desperately if it's her sister and he says yes and she just breaks down and howls and you know I thought of like the fucking there's so many examples I thought of like the Al Jazeera journalist who entire whose entire family was killed in that Israeli airstrike and fucking you know millions of people and families we've never even fucking heard of with names we don't know we don't know what these people do but they're just as their lives are fucking worth just as much and i thought that was a deeply resonant scene and then there's a shot of the wreckage of the house people sifting through this rubble and uh, you see it through the 
the smoke and through the haze of the fire and it's like again it looks like gaza i can't fucking i can't dress it up and of course what we're seeing in gaza is history repeating itself with regards to the genocide of the native americans and many other dispossessed people and massacred people around the world you know so very important film and it made me viscerally fucking angry when mark kermode centrist anti-corbyn fucking cunt that he is was just like it's long it's sitting we've got to sit in the cinema for three and a half hours i did i fucking sat in the cinema for three and a half hours what's your fucking problem you do it for a living <laughs> things he's older than you though he needs to piss more often fuck him <laughs> there's a there, there should, they've got toilets in cinemas you can fucking miss two minutes here and there i'm oh, sorry maybe it'll take take old mark longer than two minutes to get his fucking spray out but come on man come on man or watch it on apple what just watch it on fucking apple at home if you can't hack in the cinema you lazy cunt like i'm, I'm sorry just no excuse you if you if the conditions are not right for you to enjoy a piece of art to sorry to appreciate a piece of art and your job is to fucking appreciate art fucking change the circumstances make them uh <laughs> amenable to you enjoying this film that's a you issue, Mark. What's that like? I can't, like, I used to listen to this thing, man, but I stopped years and years and years ago, but I can't imagine how much he's, like, curdled. Because, <laughs> well, again, without one did to bring up for the second episode that I've been on a row, he's ex-revolutionary. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> part, yeah. So, like, they, they sort of, like, specialise in finding, like, obtuse ways not to react in a normal fucking human way just in my life. <laughs> so, I don't know, I always got that vibe off him. Like, but I think, like, um, maybe watching every single film that's been made for years and years and years is curtained then, but I don't fucking know. I haven't watched, yeah. um, I've never watched any of Scorsese's, like, historical films or his religious films. So I've never watched any of those. And people have, like, like recommended them to me really heavily. I need to get around to it sometime. I've watched, like, Obviously, like Goodfellas, Casino, you know, King of Comedy, all that stuff in a sort of relatively contemporary American thing. But like, I've heard really, really good things about all of the other ones. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I think he hasn't got any bad films. He was saying recently that his, uh, that he, his deepest regret in terms of the films he's made is Shutter Island, and I thought, hey man, I fuck with Shutter Island. I fucking might rewatch that you know it's a good movie what's that like, I was saying, like the it's the good product man he, seen the f- he doesn't put out bad product on, apart from that fran Leibowitz documentary <laughs> <laughs> i always remember like i didn't get on with gangs of new york at all it's not as and, like, good re- but it's got some good no, stuff I, in like, it but i always remember there's like a new metal fight scene in it and it may be just <laughs> my prejudice against new metal and I was like, I can't act this. Like, yeah, I no, imagine. I mean, I do think new, new Metal is a detestable musical form. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with you there. Um, but shit, this um, Killers of the Flower Moon had a great score by Robbie Robertson, the late Robbie Robertson, who mm. at the end, there was a dedication to him on screen. And I was like, I went like, oh, I like said it out loud. And like, there was no one left in the cinema. So no one looked at me funny. It was cool. I got away with it. But like, yeah, man, fucking another masterpiece from Marty. I mean, just just going back into the history for a second, it's so crazy. Like I say, like 
200 odd fucking people at least were killed I think and it wasn't just Native Americans as well because whenever a white person would try and look into it like before you know it like (laughs) there was one guy I'm not even sure he was like hired by the Native Americans he was like an oil guy who was just troubled by what was clearly the industrial scale of murder happening around him like there were people who they'd find them like uh you know, fucking dismembered in oil fields and shit, just covered in oil. This was troubling him, so he was like, I'm going to go to Washington, D.C. and appeal to the government about this. He went to Washington, D.C., and as soon as he got there, at the hotel reception, he got a note saying, uh, be very careful. And then as soon as he stepped out of the hotel, a couple of guys jumped out, put a bag over his head, stabbed him repeatedly, smashed his head in, stripped him naked, and then dumped his body in a ditch. And it's like, that was what they did to, like, the white guys. <laughs> like, fucking, that's, that's how, how bad this shit was. There's a, there's almost, there's a couple of, like, you know, Scorsese always, he's always, like, been able to draw, like, a little bit of comedy from violence among the grim bits. There's one bit where Leonardo DiCaprio, who's, who's just, he plays the biggest fucking idiot in the world, like, he's always fucking everything up. There's one point where he fucks up a criminal job so bad that De Niro basically pulls his britches down and fucking spanks him over the arse several times with a huge wooden uh, paddle. <laughs> but DiCaprio's got this guy they know to, like, uh, rub out a Native American guy who he's been talking about his melancholia and so on so it's like oh we could we could make it look like a suicide so De Niro is like tell him to shoot him in the front of the head that's the most important thing you gotta shoot him in the front of the head and then DiCaprio is like in his moronic way he's like and you gotta shoot him remember in the front of the head and then obviously he this guy like he's got a murderous Native American but he like he likes the guy (laughs) it's like at first they're like I need you to take care of the guy and he's like I ain't interested in that kind of work he's like oh it's an engine and he's like well that's different you know, initially he's like, nah, nah, these people aren't people, I can kill this guy. And then he starts hanging out with him and drinking together and carousing with the ladies. And they're like, and he's like, oh, no, I actually like him. And then he's like, oh, well, I still kind of need the money. So he decides he will murder him, but he does not shoot him in the front of the head because he's a coward. So he goes, shoots him in the back of the head. And then De Niro is so pissed off. He's like, I told you the front of the head, not the back of the head. And that's very fucking like Goodfellas in a film that is much more kind of like in the slow, meditative late era of uh, the Irishman silence that Scorsese's been on of late. I thought it was very good how they didn't turn the film into some some sort of uh, white saviour narrative, which is, uh, you know, very impressive that they avoided that because the chief FBI investigator who cracked the case was literally a guy called White. He's a Tom White, <laughs> uh, played by Jesse Plemons in the film. Um, and uh, I was watching the film. I was like, where's Jesse Plemons? He's like third build in the cast. And... Um, the FBI don't show up until like two thirds of the way through the film. And apparently the originally the script by Eric Roth was much more of a Mississippi burning FBI solve racism type narrative. And Scorsese apparently was like, well, I'm not really that interested in this angle. Uh, and he talked to, you know, people in Native American communities in, in the Osage and they were like, yeah, we agree with you. This is maybe not the right approach. So he decentered the FBI investigator 
in in the narrative and that i think is what led to dicaprio playing the biggest fucking idiot in the world in the film <laughs> because he is uh you know he's certainly in more of it than jesse plemons so you know if you're as big a star as dicaprio i guess you're gonna take the role that there's more of but yeah no it's good i mean he's good at playing a fucking moron I didn't know Jesse Plemons is, like, I know the face, but he's one of the weirdest faces I've ever seen in my life. It's <laughs> weird, man. He he aged it's very, like, face. very quickly. I swear to like, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to make harsh judgments about Jesse Plemons' looks, but, like, he was very fresh-faced <laughs> when he first showed up in Breaking Bad. It was like, yeah. Fucking ass. Well, anyway, that's <laughs> not, I didn't want to <laughs> turn my review into just broadsides against Jesse Plemons' looks. The, uh, no, that was me. That was entirely my doing. Like I said, <laughs> don't worry about that. But like, was it? Yeah, I never, I like never um, retain the names of any actors. <laughs> but it's weird, and it was like someone pointed out a while back, and it was like Robert De Niro. And obviously, to everybody else, he's like a sort of quintessential Italian American thing, and because he's like slightly not Italian American. They're like Scorsese just casts him in like the whitest of white roles, yeah. <laughs> and like casts him basically as any ethnicity. <laughs> It's like, it's fucking amazing. Apart from Raging Bull, obviously. Now, De Niro, I mean, it's great to see him, like, fucking play a proper role in this film because, you know, he's been slumming it so long now. And the Irishman obviously reunited him with Scorsese. And that was good, but it was such a low key performance that, you know, this is like, you know, you can see the fireworks again. Yeah, because, like, the entire point of the Irishman is that he's, like, the world's most tedious. Yeah, boy. yeah, yeah. And he just hap- he happened to get caught along in this, you know, billion-dollar, fucking decades-long criminal conspiracy just through just being, like, you know, not not rubbing up against anyone. Yeah, 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 through having no <laughs> not, fucking mind of his just, own. Really. Yeah, not, like, ruffling any feathers or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah. Whereas in this film, you're it's like, really... oh, yeah, that's the guy who rocked our cocks back in the day. <laughs> Background. But like with how good King of Comedy is, I was like I was, I was talking a bit about this on the podcast episode that you haven't listened to, like I just fucking I love King of Comedy. That's another like atypical De Niro mm-hmm. I'm gonna listen after this. Been, like, I a think I'm, I'm gonna go for a smoke and listen to your episode. <laughs> it's fine man. But like don't do yeah, just don't do it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, see you guys later. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, see you guys. But like it's uh it's amazing, like if you think the fucking rings that the Nero's got and he doesn't really get praised like that mm. so much. He's not sort of because he spent so long doing like fucking meet the parents and shit. So people don't think of him as being like this incredibly versatile actor. They think of him as like a sort of mad set of stereotypes <laughs> that just sort of turns up on stage, on stage on screen. Um, but like, yeah, it is wild just seeing him like in his sort of glory days. How many fucking persona he was able to adapt to. But it's fucking nice to see that he's uh, nice to hear that he's getting some work. But I do, I do need to catch this. Yeah, like, I'm just fucking like, what is it like? Um, I like I said before. I don't watch many films. When I watch films, they tend to be rewatching South Park Bigger Longer and Anchor or 2012's The Other Guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, great Those film. Those are the films that I tend to watch. Is it 2010? Life. I don't know. I think Sorry, so, I've, I've, I've <laughs> got, got the date to... of when The Other Guys came out in my head, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is 2010, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just Adam McKay's most satirical film. It's fucking class, man. Yeah. It's good, but like, um, yeah, I didn't want to just maneuver it into the films I've seen. Like that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I would like. Oh, uh, what are you saying? 
second ago about movies. Oh yeah, you know, like rewatching movies. Like, I I rewatched this movie called Reptile, which is like right. a fucking Netflix direct to Netflix thriller, uh, like a cop drama <laughs> starring uh, Benicio and apparently written by Benicio del Toro. Um, and I watched this like um a few weeks back and and i dug it kind of it's not got very good reviews or anything but i was i was into it but like it's so slow and lethargically paced that like i literally didn't understand what was going on because i was tweeting a load about israel and palestine so just my attention was too divided so i was just this is kind of what inspired me to go and see killers of the flower moon because i was like what the fuck? I rewatched fucking Netflix original Reptile the other day. Uh, should I not go and see like a good new film by Martin Scorsese? Like, you know, should that not be my priority? But yeah, I watched Reptile again and I was like, yeah, shit, man, I'm still on board. This is the good stuff. This is the kind of like fucking ugly middle aged cops fucking each other over kind of shit that I love. It was very like True Detective season two. If you, if any of you saw that, it had that kind of vibe. I never saw True Detective because I think it's like one of those things. Again, we're talking about like tweeting and shit, and I would distract you. <laughs> it's like one of those things that people were like, you know, like when people do those tweets where they try and tweet in the voice <laughs> of someone, and they oh, usually right. like yeah, fuck yeah, it up yeah. spectacularly. Oh, yeah. And I think I saw so many tweets trying to get the voice of True Detective season one down oh, that like it basically popped me off for like same like um it's a, it's a ridiculous set of things to confess in public, but I'm gonna carry on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've never watched, like, The Sopranos, probably on the same basis. I've seen, like, so many shit, you know, like, Soprano socialist memes, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, fucking neoliberal memes for Sopranos teams or whatever type of thing. No, it's good, man. But I'm just like, fuck, I can't. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I only, only got round to Sopranos a few years back. It's definitely worth it. Like, yeah. one, one of the best of the sort of prestige shows. But uh, I get where you're coming from. It's definitely, I think, yeah. I think, like, also, like, I find it, like, uh, alienating like, the number of things that people tell you to watch now, because you've got, like, sort of yes. streaming bloat across, mm. so everyone's just like, oh, you need to watch this. It's like and they like give you sort of... homework, because you don't know if, they're, <laughs> like, if they mean, like, I quite enjoyed this, or this is the best thing I've ever watched, because yeah. it's all in the same <laughs> register. Like, you you know? need to watch yeah. Bosch Legacy on free... V- no, you don't. You, you don't. I like <laughs> Bosch, though. The original Bosch is good. This is just, like, a scam where they sack the main cast and then hire them back as uh, guest stars, because... Now he's a private detective rather than a cop, so they don't need to pay all the cop <laughs> characters a regular salary. Yeah, I find, like, with stuff that, like, hinges on plot and stuff, like, my brain don't work like that. So I can only sort of watch... I can't, like, remember what happens in anything that I've watched ever. I think it's like... So, like, I generally just watch things that, like... My favourite films are sort of films that are, like, uh, moving paintings... So I'll have, like, sort of Kubrick and stuff like that. <laughs> just, like, just, like, a nice thing to have on, you know? <laughs> like, that kind of thing. Like, we're fucking, um, what's it called? Uh, Clockwork Orange. It's like, I could, mm-hmm. like, I've watched that film probably, you know, half a dozen times in my life. <laughs> and I couldn't really tell you what happens apart from, like, the broader strokes of the plot. <laughs> just, like, I, li- I like the I like the music. I like the weird clothes they wear. I like that <laughs> shit. Like... I was just looking on De Niro's Wikipedia on his filmography to see if Killers of the Flower Moon and his genuinely brilliant performance therein, which kind of takes his excellent performances in The Irishman and Joker to the next level. Um, I was wondering if like that signals like a Scorsese sense. Some, not as uh, De Niro doesn't have the same 
ring the same bell, whatever, uh, him being good again. Um, but I was just looking at the next film, I was like, um, Ezra 2023, I was like, oh, sick, then, but finally making a film of, like, Ezra Miller's crime spree, casting the, the great man behind Travis <laughs> Bickle as the, the, <laughs> the biggest uh, loose cannon criminal of, of their day. Um, nah, this, this is the plot of Ezra. 2023. Max Brandel, a former successful late-night comedy writer turned less-than-successful stand-up comic, has moved in with his father Stan, that's De Niro's character, after... So you can see there's going to be a lot of antics. Uh, Bobby Carnavale is Max and Stan, you know, De Niro is wacky dad. When Max and his ex-wife Jenna are at odds over how to address the needs of their brilliant autistic 11-year-old son Ezra, Max decides to kidnap Ezra and take him on a cross-country trip. <laughs> it's a heartwarming kidnapping autas- autistic child comedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck well like with um what was it i'm trying to think i did i did have something in the fucking chambers yeah with scorsese it's just insane like basically you should everyone who goes to see one of his films should just be like standing up but like giving like a standing ovation just for the fact that an eight-year-old bloke did anything yeah like it's just it's insane that he's still directing films of that age but it's just like um it's a bonkers state of affairs that he's still working. It's like, dude, like, um, what's his name? Uh, Will Sloan in it off of Michael Lewis. Yes. Was posting the other day about how, like, it's an enormous box office bomb. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a like, cost to whichever, whichever studio fucking paid for it an enormous amount of money to put it on and see it. Does. But, like, it is, like, you know, if, if you're going to go and see any fucking film in the cinema, it's going to be, like, a Scorsese Yeah, they'll film fucking live. Like another, you know, like, they'll put out, like, some fucking what? superhero shite and make that fucking money back from the rubes. <laughs> well, oh, I just remember what it was. The other day, if you go down my Twitter timeline, you'll find I caught an e- a period where I was, like, looking up uh, Sons of the... Well, fucking... It's not Sons of the Fire Moon, is it? What... Can't remember Killers. What it's called now. Killers of the Flower Moon. Killers of the Flower Moon Wikipedia page. And I caught it in a brief period where someone had vandalised it and replaced the official poster for the film with a picture of an erect shaven penis. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you want to see that. So then I genuinely caught I had no idea it was there. I was just like I was reading it and I was like so this just fucking hit me, hit me like a proverbial erect shaven penis. <laughs> I was looking at this, it fucking blew my mind. Do you remember that fucking... Yeah, so I'll send that to... Do you remember that Death Grips album? Fuck, no, 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 no. I had a big dick on the cover, like, but that was it. Like, it was like, it was... I had it in my, because I was very, like, committed to, like, the artistic purity. I was like, no, I'm going to have the original uh, dick cover in my iTunes library. And then after a bit, I was just like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to look at this dick all the time. So I got the one with the big black uh, rectangle in front of the dick. Sorry, I'm, I I averted my eyes. Herzog would be very ashamed of me. Senior Israeli politician (laughs) Isaac Herzog, that is, my friend and mentor. No, um, he's a president. Yeah, yes, he is. Um, he is. I forgot. So I, that, I was like senior uh, politician. Now that I'll get that co- that covers it. <laughs> <laughs> What's that like? Um, yeah, death grips are like slamming, but I haven't listened to much of their stuff because uh, I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't take much. Um, 
I'm trying to think of the name of that fucking ADHD medication, Ritalin. Mm. Seems like music you'd really like if you took a lot of Ritalin. Oh yeah, no, but, it's not. It doesn't um, fit my my like weed diet at all, really. And I remember I got in trouble <laughs> for saying this on the show before, but everyone was like, "Oh, Jesus is just copying what Death Grips do," and I'm like, "Yeah, but with like tunes and." <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about the cunt from Sleaford Mods? Ah, uh, let's do it. I gotta put my cards on the table though with this because I was and like um I stopped listening probably like five. You know what it is now. Everyone fucking releases like an album a yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. So. so I probably stopped listening about five albums ago. But I did used to like them a lot. Like, so I've got a lot of opinions on this. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, like I fucking. Yeah, I've never listened to one of their albums. I I remember, I remember <laughs> I watched like one of their Glastonbury sets a few years ago on telly and thought it was pretty good, but I never. I was just like, there's just not enough musical variety for me to, to listen to this. <laughs> it would be funny if the lad on stage who just smokes spliffs and presses play on the <laughs> on the fucking <laughs> laptop if he was like really good on Palestine, and that's why they ended that gig <laughs> when when the the frontman responded angrily to uh, the Palestine flag being thrown. Maybe, like, the laptop guy was like, fuck you, mate. <laughs> Sleep and mods have split up. Um, no, I don't think that's the case. So, basically, you know, just to, for anyone who might not know, when he ended a gig early because someone threw a Palestine flag on stage, mm-hmm. and he was like, don't make me pick sides. And it's like, that's literally what politics is. Politics is entirely about picking sides. It was a scarf. <laughs> it was a scarf with the the Palestinian flag on on it as part of the designer thing. But he just had a massive tantrum. Like went from performing to to storming off within about ten seconds. Oh yeah, yeah. Like but I used to like again, and I don't like. I, I'm trying not to just ventilate sort of various minor disagreements with people on Twitter. I know that's uh, <laughs> hey, not God, the most. That's what this whole podcast's about. <laughs> <laughs> so like. I used to like I remember Joe Kennedy years back and he had this thing about like um how like the centrist ads like it's wrong to say they're all listening to like Oasis and they're all like um you know, listening to Paul Weller and stuff because they're all actually listening to like broadcast and the stereo lab and you know, like listening to six music and they just think themselves cool. And I thought at the time that I read that I was like that is absolute wank. Because, <laughs> like, um, but, like, it's basically the sort of traje- career trajectory of Sleaford Mods has proven me, like, exactly right there. Because it is, like, he he started off, like, writing these songs, which are just basically all about being a low wage worker. And they were, like, I still, like, like, incredibly sort of beautiful and strange pieces of music that he would write about his grim fucking life. Because he, I think he was, like, He's sociologically practically identical to Thatcher, <laughs> um, to walk off the front of Stephen Mann. And politically, so I think, apparently. Yeah, and politically now, isn't it? But, like, um, he fucking is the son of, I think, some shopkeepers from Grantham. So it's literally mm-hmm. at the same time. Well, right, same literally profession. down the road from her, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, but then he, like, sort of fell hard into, like, sort of booze and, and drug addiction, or, like, you know, binge use of booze and drugs, and found himself working in, like, increasingly shitty jobs so there's one one of their great like early songs is just uh like a sort of two bar like a bar section of um pretty vacant looped over and over again okay it's fucking incredible 
but it's like the the chorus says he, he's I'm not going to do the voice right because what's it like I stick probes into boxes of dead chicken until eight o'clock at night describing working in a chicken factory this fucking beautiful lyric <laughs> but like he got love bombed by centrists so much at the start of when he started becoming famous mm-hmm. that he's basically become one he's learned that if he expresses any sort of you know uh non-centrist opinion on say ukraine brexit yeah. you know like a second referendum and stuff that like all his fans are like fucking bot you know bomb his mentions like how dare you say this so then he's just like completely fucking flipped over the other side and it's, it's honestly one of the quickest and most spectacular meltings that i've ever seen <laughs> in my life like it's just astonishing to see. It's a fuck. It's a, an enormous disappointment because I think he was a very, very, very good writer. But then, like after this happened, he was just like all his lyrics were just like Brexit, get rid of it. I mean, this is the tweet that he did after storming off stage at that gig. Um, don't be asking me to pick sides for something I ain't got any real idea about. Comma at a gig. I'm a singer. My job is music. The only real thing I know about war is that I'm sick and tired of premature death, like we all are, of the murder of anyone under whatever fucking belief grid. Yeah, mate. These why can't these religious nutters get on? You know that's what it's all about, innit? It's a de- it's a centuries old civilizational clash. Where the fuck has he got the phrase premature death from? Who the fuck says that? Yeah, he's just like thinking about wanking, and then he's just, oh, not wanking, but like um nothing, and he got distracted. But no, he's just like even in that, like what's difficult, and it's a difficult thing to negotiate in any kind of artistic expression, right? Is that he is being completely fucking hampered there by his own desire to sound simultaneously unintelligent and intelligent. <laughs> So it's like there's, there's like there's fucking double negatives at the start of the tweet. It's like I ain't got nothing to it. Is Riley's gas like fucking like like a fucking absolute fucking wet. My job is and then music. just like sideline it into like like all these like ridiculously uh, novel and meaningless fucking neologisms that he's coming up with. It's <laughs> like he can't like he's like oh no I don't want people to think I'm too clever but I also don't want anyone ever to think I'm sick yeah. and it's like part of the great sort of um, gamble of artistic expression or sort of expressing yourself politically is that someone might think you're stupid <laughs> <laughs> at least you be saying something fucking mean then you know what I mean what a fucking door yeah well, I. I would draw the word dorkhead because it's not really strong. <laughs> fucking fucking dorkhead. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, like the only, you know, I'm just like fucking like in awe. My job is music. Like, yeah, fucking God forbid a fucking musician take a political stance. Uh, you know, like the fucking frontman of Sleaford Mods, for example, who's like, whose entire thing is just like, I'm angry. <laughs> Packing the chicken into the box. What has Margaret <laughs> Thatcher done to Britain? <laughs> like, you know, Thatcher era like, acts, sleeping mods. It's like the genuinely neutral thing to do, politically neutral thing, is to not fucking end your gig like an enormous bitch because someone's throwing a fucking flag that you dislike on his stage. Yeah, what the fuck? You know it's mean? a good comment from Carl Hansen, the new editor of Tribune. As Desmond Tutu said, if you are neutral in situation in situations of injustice, 
that's fine so long as your job is music. <laughs> that's, a, that's the old Paul Simon position. Yeah, that is, yeah. <laughs> it literally is. Yeah, oh, because it brings people together. It's funny, actually, now, um, Stephen Van... That is now actually what Stephen Van Zandt believes about Israel, basically. <laughs> uh, I haven't fucking... Ah, oh, I'm gonna check what Stephen Van Zandt has been saying recently, but I bet it's don't fucking do that. Don't, don't, don't do that, do that to yourself. Well, we, we talked about this. Like, money was good. I was like, with, like I, I think I said before when I've been on you that I've got like a secondary boycott in place because of radio, uh, bike, you know, boycott, <laughs> refusing to boycott is yeah. so I've been boycotting radio for a couple mm. of years, but like that's really inconsistent because it's like the fall. And several members of Can have played in uh, Israel, and the difference there is that I can't afford to cut that music out. Of my life. <laughs> yeah, it's like me with you two. <laughs> Although, as we established, actually, yeah, you yeah. two haven't played in Israel since 1997, so they have, to all intents and purposes, respected the boycott. Although, I bet if you look into all Bono's business empire and shit, then there's some shit tied up in Israeli <laughs> occupation out there. So. My my theory is just there's no demand for for you uh, two in yeah because they're liberal pussies. Said it before, but but they they, they do you know uh, don't, don't like to, to 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 praise Israel too much, but there is real demand out there for Marky Smith. Just just their vitriolic hate in his music is like yes, <laughs> the human animals like f- fucking like uh, yeah no I I I. I they just make him play the classical on repeat. <laughs> you know, I genuinely had, like, um, the urge to listen to Radiohead the other night, and I was like, you know what? At this precise point in history, um, fuck listening to Radiohead, and I didn't. I was like, no, fuck these cunts. I put on J Electronica. No, I didn't actually. I, can't... I think I put on... Um... Uh, I think it was just Outcast. It was some other rap music, but not from someone with a history of anti-Semitic remarks. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Really. Just like, d- like keeping the mental rolodex of which one is transgressed. <laughs> oh man, the whole like uh, smug sort of consensus now about like, well, what you don't want to get rid of the Tories is like five, ten years. You know, five years ago. It was like people were fucking boasting about voting for it because they thought the new consensus yeah. was a Tory mm. consensus. And now, like, they're just trying to walk it back. And it's like, uh, like we were talking about the Sleep of Mods book, and if your political view is that you are this sort of supremely rational, reacting to every situation on its own merits type of character, then you just get fucking pulled along by this fucking bullshit headwind. So you'd just be like pulled along by a weird new fucking centrist six music mates. Or you got pulled along by the annoying Tory fucking bell ends who write for like all the Murdoch papers and stuff. And then you like you find yourself like with like looking like an absolute fucking cretin when the consensus shifts even slightly to your right or even slightly to your left. Mm. It's like the reason you have a fucking political view is so that you like no one can look back. It's not well, it's not the reason why you have the political view, but if you've got like a clear political view, you can just look and go no, no, I believed this back then. Like I believe I believe that like you know fucking Israel should withdraw to the forty eight borders or the sixty seven borders. I believe this my entire fucking life. I'm not just now learning what a humanitarian pause is and fucking considering a carefully against all the other options. Yeah. Like, like no, there's certain things that are fucking right and there's certain things that are wrong. And you can't just like fucking work them out on a case by case basis. You better end. You should have other shit going on in your life. Like, 
No, got you, man. Got you. I'm just checking out Sleeper Mod's likes on Twitter, and I think that the uh, the account has been uh, forcibly taken away from uh, what's his name before he does any more damage on their brand. Um, he hasn't liked anything since the fifth, which was just so, uh, someone saying, "I'm on the radio, yeah. Dad," in response to a now deleted tweet. Um, on the fourth, he liked two tweets from former member of the Prodigy, Leroy Thornhill, um, saying, "I don't have to pick a side. I know w- what is right. I, every life has value. Ukraine is wrong. War is wrong. I agree. The existence of the state of Ukraine is wrong, and wish to <laughs> offer my solidarity to Putin's occupying forces. Um, Ukraine is wrong. War is wrong. Governments are wrong. Why do I have to pick a side? So you know, an, a, an anarchist position from." Leroy here, which of course, like many anarchist positions, involves agreeing with political centrists and conservatives. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Man. Oh, I was listening to Greenwald the other day. You know, as you do on Rum yeah. on Rumble. Was this you? Yeah, you know, you know, you're watching Rumble. You put on Rumble, the sort of social media, the, the home of free speech. I mean, I thought that was GB News. You know, but sorry, just the, only, the only Rumble the only, I respect is the Rumble, Rumble in the Jungle. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm about. The only thing I've ever seen on Rumble was someone shared a clip of they have like the World Slap Fighting Championships <laughs> on there. So they just have like lads slapping each other like harder than anyone's ever been slapped in human history. And it's like it's literally the most irresponsible sport that I've ever seen on television. The and I've watched like, you know, like, like the high school musical episode. The only thing I've ever watched on Rumble. Just slapping the sun, like, what's up you, what's up you? <laughs> the only thing I've ever watched on Rumble is a clearly mentally disturbed man chasing Matt Hancock around a train station. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds that sounds like uh, probably that should be on BBC Prime Time, to be honest. I, I think I'd reference to it was, but not the not the video clips. Because it was like, so like fair play, no one came out of it well, but it was quite funny. Can it... <laughs> so what were you? What, what does Greenwald? Oh, he was like? interviewing Roger Waters. That's of nice course man. why I was tuning in. Although I don't know, it looked like some other cool stuff is on Glenn's um, uh, Rumble channel. There was just like something about the JFK assassination. Did the CIA do it? Like that kind of thing. Like yeah. Um, Good interview of Waters. There was this like fucking hilarious bit where Roger Waters started like getting into nine eleven truth and then realised what he was doing and he was like, <laughs> but never mind that. Let's talk about <laughs> something else. <laughs> Wait, all he said was that there's like holes in the official story, which is facts. Like you don't have to buy all the inside job stuff to think that you know it's some shit that don't add up, man. But yeah, understandably, Roger Waters started saying this and then was like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> well like with um with like with Glenn, Glenn Greenwald it's like I like him much more as like a public figure than I do with like a broadcaster or writer mm. in particular it's like his writing is like t- always like t- fucking terrible like lawyerly turgid <laughs> shit like sort of lit- you know like sort of debate club stuff where you have to address every single point in an <laughs> argument to make sure that your reputation's airtight and stuff and it's just like I don't want that I want wild conjecture <laughs> like leave me alone <laughs> leave me alone with that but like he's fucking like it's funny with like obviously people get like anathematized like so much, but like with the Guardian, it's like the like again, isn't it? We're old enough to remember uh, with the Guardian like having uh you know openly sort of pro Palestine stance or like you know having anti like security services stance was like considered to be 
normal for them as a newspaper. Mm. And it's insane, like, how quickly, like, those views have become, like, completely un-mainstream. Yeah. It's like there's no acceptable part of the mainstream where you can be like, oh, no, I oppose oppose the wars. Yeah. That's, like, considered to be the maddest fucking thing you can believe. So it's, like, the same with Greenwald. And obviously he's gone, This is the thing, like, we're supposed to believe that Greenwald is, like, the worst cunt ever to live. And it's, like... No, but I objectively agree him agree with him on more positions than I do with fucking liberals. And unlike liberals, he's not supporting genocide in Gaza. Like, I'm not saying I fucking mm. agree with him on everything, but at least he is, like, a critic of American foreign policy. And it's always just like, again, when people do this shit, like, such and such is beyond the pale, I'm like, okay, compared to fucking who? Like, which liberal cunt do you want to show me that has better foreign policy views than, than Glenn Greenwald? Like I'll, I'm still yeah, waiting. Like, um, I'm waiting. The only thing I will say about no, <laughs> He's got too many dogs. My dogs is he needs to dog. calm down on the animal hole. Oh like. yeah, no, that was so that was so rough, man. That his husband like shat himself to death. <laughs> you told yeah, me what yeah, that I was illness meant. I just not... thought I, the word didn't mean anything <laughs> to me, and you were like, "No, nah, man, that's bad. That's that's a wasting. You know, all these all these people dying in the the Osage Nation of wasting diseases, quote unquote. No, they were just getting poisoned. It's just again this sort of dynamic of people getting like love bombed and stuff. But he would always like sort of you know like we were talking about before he's always like that type of uh libertarian like debate nerd, but he just got sort of radicalized to the mm. left um to during the war on terror but then like obviously like some of those instances sort of kicked back in but again you know, it's like it's like basically the people who were like oh no he's ridiculous like, generally are the people who were like that's fine to just have like every single bit of electronic communication you do it's like spied yeah. on it's fine to like you know just fucking bomb like bring like flaming death from the sky whenever you feel yeah like, yeah. yeah so you know yeah i'm a bit i'm a bit defensive towards him but also like i love the fact that there's very few like um bitchy left-wing queens <laughs> so like if those sort of bit, like sort of attributes don't go together very often of just being like a you know a sort of catty gossip and being like you know <laughs> believing in like anti yeah, yeah, 100%. so i like the fact there's one of those lads in the world legendary i'm trying to think right um I'm trying to think, can you try and bring this to some kind of yeah, yeah. soonish? <laughs> you can wrap up like... <laughs> yeah, Jesus, that's coming out three the, hours now. The, wow. the headline of this is uh, this, this interview with Roger Waters is Interview with Roger Waters, musical genius, political activist, accused anti-Semite. And I think that last bit is interesting because it's like, I think to get people who use Rumble to watch your videos, you have to say, no, no, it's cool. My guest has been accused of racism. Like, <laughs> 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 Yeah, he may be a fucking cuck, but <laughs> in some ways, but come on, he's triggered libs. He's triggered libs. Okay, guys. <laughs> so like you've seen with Roger Waters, and it is true. He's like, basically extremely politically sound but also just like a mad old rich rock yeah. bastard it's like very rare to have those company again and it where to rare to have those working as a team like it's great it's great to see it's hilarious with like when they they were like all that shit was kicking off with him with like, like refusing to believe in like uh the concept of uh an artistic yeah. work so he's been like oh my god he's dressed up like a nut and he wasn't dressed yeah, up like yeah. an artsy, and he was in character but it's also just like people like again trying to knock it as you know his music's terrible he's washed up and it's like 
that's insane. Like he's responsible for some of the most fucking beautiful music ever recorded, like in the English language. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just being like, oh, yeah, he's a hack. It's like you can't argue with like. It's so funny, like, man. Like he is, and I mean this purely in temperament, because as I've established, I agree with all his political positions. But he is such a crank, and like the example <laughs> that is, I will yeah. cite of this is like he wrote this like open letter to Kendrick Lamar the other day on his website, which was like, "Why aren't you opposing Israeli apartheid?" Which I've got to say. Why aren't you Kendrick? I was always Team Kendrick in the Kendrick Drake beef, but you know what? My man Drake, the most popular uh, Jewish musician in the world, probably has yeah, I think that's true. Has fucking called for a ceasefire. So yeah, where you at, Kendrick? I know, I know you said on your last album you're not our savior, but come on, man, just a bit of conscience, you know. I love the idea of just like, like calling out specific named individuals. Yeah, <laughs> Kendrick. The, like the bastards. That's what they list, do on like, fucking like, dead end hip hop at the end. They always like give a rapper advice. They go around and like say, yo, so Kendrick, I thought this project was dope, but what you could have done differently was like, that's what I'm doing now. I'm saying, Kendrick Lamar, it's time to stand up and be counted. If you're listening, <laughs> if there's anyone from the Kendrick <laughs> and on camp. that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell man anyway it's always yeah, a pleasure it's been, been really fun let's uh, yeah let's call it a day now but right. thank you it's been for keeping me occupied Thanks, guys man. letting me talk at length about the Osage yeah, Nation yeah I learned a lot like it's good <laughs> enjoyable as ever cheers yeah, guys peace see ya sourcing.